This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. On this edition of Vocal Perspective, we are so thrilled to be sitting down with Angela Ugolini from Musee. She's a singer at Musee, and she's a full-time audio engineer and just an all-around amazing woman. And we are so thrilled to be talking to her. So hi, Angela. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I would love to start with Musee and sort of how you got on board with Musee, how that came to be. Sure. It actually started as an idea that a couple girls had at So Jam. Oh gosh, I'm going to date myself, but probably like 2009, something like that, just out of college. We kind of recognized that there weren't a lot of all-female professional groups in the U.S. At the time, we were like, well, why don't we start one? So it started off with the three of us. It was Carrie Francis, myself, and Lo Barrero, and then we kind of asked around a bunch of other acapella professionals to see like, you know, who's the best bass you can think of. And like Ed Boyer was like Johanna Vinson, 100%. And we had just seen Hannah Giuliano, now Vance, do Halo at ICCA finals. Still one of my favorite performances at ICCA of all time. Yeah, she's (laughs) so incredibly talented. It's unreal. And then we had a couple of friends who went to UGA and um, recommended Courtney, then Godwin, now Chapel as our soprano. And she was kind of like our last addition to our original lineup. And then we just kind of like hit the ground running, just like organically arranging. We would have retreats. None of us lived in the same city. So that was a challenge. At the time, there were three of us in Boston. Now I'm the only one in Boston and I haven't even been here that whole, you know, nine year span or whatever. But yeah, we just kind of are from all over at first that we were all like fronting our own flights, just kind of like excited to get together. And then, you know, we eventually started to release some content and get some gigs. Our first gig was actually at SoJam in 2011. Dave Sprandio kind of like gave us that little opening spot there to like thrust us into being able to get some other gigs and getting some sort of recognition. So that was pretty fun. That's how we started. Um, and we've gone through a couple of iterations since then. People have gone on to grad school. People have gone on to like tours and things like that. So now we just got our newest member. Her name is Lily and she's incredible. So I'm so excited for people to hear her with us this coming spring. Cool. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what you find to be sort of the best part about being in an all female group and what what do you think is the most challenging part? The best part is 100% the sisterhood that we have established over the time frame. Um, I mean, at the time that I got married a couple years ago, like all of those girls were in my bridal party. You know, we're still you know, even the girls who are not in Musee anymore, we still call each other sisters. You know, we still talk to each other all the time. Um, it's like a constant group chat with our current group still and like, you know, we talk about everything from music to whatever, anything. So honestly, that is my favorite part as like just being around other really strong and positive women and, you know, having those sorts of being those like sorts of role models for each other is is awesome. And just being on stage, it's kind of a different energy when it's all females on stage. It's just like, I don't know. I can't really describe it. I mean, I've been in groups that are mixed before, but I've always gravitated towards female groups um, because I was in one in college as well. So I just think there's just like, I don't know, there's this like power vibe that I love. That's kind of my favorite part of being in a a female group. Cool. Do you find that, so I guess there are stereotypes about all female groups. And I wonder if you would comment on what your experience has been with some of those stereotypes. 
Yeah. Um, well, the stereotypes are, they're the worst part, but you can also kind of, you know, lean into things and kind of mm-hmm. like say like, oh, well, you know, I don't care about that. I can, we can do whatever we want. Um, and we, we've kind of taken that attitude from the very beginning. Like we don't really care that we're girls. I mean, vocally, like range wise, people are like, oh, girls don't sing as low. It's like, well, I don't think you've met Joe. So she sings really <laughs> low. I think on like, you know, on a good day, she can sing down to like, an F sharp, like low, like in yeah. male register. So we've got that, which is she's a blessing. Um, but we also use octave pedals and stuff like that. So we just don't care. We'll do whatever. Now we've got Mel, um, who I know you guys interviewed a little bit ago, and she basically live DJs on stage for us. And we're like, we can do whatever we want. So we just like, don't pay attention to them. And we, for a while, it was like, oh, Muse is really good for a female group. And I'm like, stop it. Just say Muse is a <laughs> just, really good group. <laughs> just drop that other end yeah, of the sentence. No qualifier Nobody needs necessary. It. No like, qualification. Yeah, yeah, totally. We've kind of, yeah, we've kind of, we embrace some of the, like, some of the sexy, powerful thing, but we also go, okay, well, we're going to do this Led Zeppelin tune and we don't care. Literally anything. We're just going to stand there and sing, you know, a little trio or, or whatnot. So we don't let it, like, affect you know, any musical choices that we make. We just do what you know, comes from our souls and hearts at the time. Do you find it difficult dealing sort of with a more male dominated, I hesitate to say industry, but no, it's still the whole industry, Rachel. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to make, yeah, anyway, I I wonder if there's, (laughs) if it's hard to navigate a sort of more male dominated environment. In the performing area. Yeah, for sure. We've, like I said, we've been lucky to, we kind of got in there early and um, made a lot of friends and and had, you know, really used our connections to the benefit of the group and to the benefit of the community. They haven't said anything like this in a really long time. But like, I remember back in the day, there was like some sort of Twitter thing where like, you know, if Musee weren't so hot, nobody would like them. And it's like, Uh. yo, we're just... We're just singing, like, let it, leave us alone. So that is something that we had to deal with as a group and not as much anymore. People don't really say those types of things, but it was definitely when we were coming up, people were like, oh, well, you know, they're pretty. So that's why they're getting gigs. And it's like, no, <laughs> have you heard like some of those girls sing? Like, let's be real. Right. Like everybody want, wanted to listen to Hannah sing at the time. Like, I mean, still, no. <laughs> still. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I noticed it more in the audio field more than the performing field, but that's even a more male dominated area. So switching into that, like I went to a seminar this summer for Mixed with the Masters and I was one of 20 people and I was the only female. And it was like, when I would walk in the room, it was like the girl alarm would go off. Girl, girl, Mm -hmm. girl. It's like, why are you here? But yeah, and they would like apologize for like saying things were like a little bit, you know, racy, I guess, or whatever. I'm like, don't apologize because by you apologizing to me, you're pointing out that I'm not a man and I'm in the Oh my gosh, yes. I I mean, I just had that experience over the weekend where somebody said something a little like off color, but I laughed and he just looked at me and he was like, oh, like you're, you're here and I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm a person and I have a sense of humor. So it's it's really okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's really a bro culture in like the audio engineer, uh. like in the studio, but like in the live sense too. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's a bro culture. So I don't know. I think I've just combated that in the same way that music kind of combated that in the beginning and just be like, I don't really care. I, I know that I can mix as hard as the boys can or whatever they say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is nice to start hearing people just refer to you as one of the best acapella engineers out there rather than the qualifier at the end, you know, for a girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, I worked on that for a long time. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And not, not like saying like, oh, well, don't say that. No, I don't think I ever even said that. I think it was just more a lot of the accomplishments that I did in the beginning. I was either doing them alongside of some of my other colleagues that were male and they would get the credit first or, you know, people wouldn't fully understand like how much I had to do with it. And then it was just kind of like, you know, once people see your name over and over and over again, they're like, well, I guess she's doing something, right? You know? <laughs> so there was like a shift, like maybe like four or five years ago where they stopped saying like, one of the best female audio engineers, you know? Um, they just started saying audio engineer. Yeah. So that was a good shift for me. Yeah. And really gratifying. Yeah. And with that came a whole new slew of younger women coming into the acapella field and wanting to do audio. I mean, I've had a bunch of people reach out to me, people I recorded in college or something like that say like, Hey, like now I'm out of college and I want to intern or I want to do this. And I'm like, cool, I'll totally help you out. Like, let me know what you need. And they just need to see that someone who's like them is doing it. It's the representation thing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So what drew you to this field? Again, it's a little bit intimidating. And it definitely was eight, 10 years ago when you got started. It's still a little bit scary for me when I go into a room with all guys. And I'm like, I actually know what all these buttons and knobs do. So so what drew you to it knowing that it was going to be an uphill battle? Well, okay. So the thing is, is especially when I was in college, I was a little bit fearless in the way that I just didn't care. I was one of those, like, I was just so overly eager that I bugged anyone and everyone who would tell me what I needed to buy, what kind of mic that I needed. You know, I bought myself a Pro Tools for Dummies book, you know, the whole thing. And because my my college group had recorded my freshman and sophomore year at a local studio where they didn't specialize in acapella. And I heard the difference when All Night Yahtzee, the other group at the school, went to go work with Dave Sprandia. But we were a little broke at the time. And I was like, well, you know, Chris Diaz recorded the group by himself. Like, I could do that too. Because Chris Diaz and I went to school at the same time at FSU. But I was in the girl group. He was in the mixed group. So I was like, well, if he can do that, I can do that. So I called of Dio. And I was like, I still want you to mix it, but I want to do the recording and the editing. Like, what do I need? He was like, well, you need a lot of time. And I was like, cool. I've got that. I'm in college. Like I've got time. He was like, well, you need to be a little bit crazy. I'm like, great. I've got that too. I'm just, I'm crazy (laughs) enough to do it. So like, let me tell me what I need. And then he kind of like helped guide me along. There are a couple other people along the way who like helps, you know, get me started. And I did that and recorded it all in my apartment room. And I made every mistake known to man, you know, recorded half my tracks with the fan on and, you know, did that whole thing. (laughs) He was like, no, 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 this is not going to work. I was like, oh, okay, I got to go do it again. And then, you know, I was using a really old form of Melodyne, which was Melodyne Create, which would only allow you to pull up eight tracks at a time. And I didn't have Studio, which allows you to pull up multiple tracks. So I was like editing all the Alta 1s and like all the, you oh, know, my goodness. Twos, like just kind of by themselves and doing it by ear. Luckily, I had really good singers in my group. So I just kind of made them sing it till it was right because I didn't even know how to fix the rhythms in Melodyne, only the pitches at the time. So we were just like learning <laughs> ago. And then um, I asked Dio, I said, hey, like, 
could I potentially intern at your studio? And this is how, like, I didn't fully understand that his studio was just, like, in his house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I was, like, 21 and, like, wow, like, gonna go work at a studio. I had no idea. Um, He was like, well, you can, like, come to my house while I mix the album. And I ended up not being able to do that. But I was like, you know what? I kind of, you know, I was a senior and I was like, I don't, I was a psych major. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to go get my PhD. Like, why don't I try this music thing? So then I applied to audio engineering school in New York City and learned all the actual basics there. No more Pro Tools for Dummies, but learned about frequencies and plugins and analog gear and everything, all the basics. And that's kind of what started me on that path was just kind of DIY. And then I was like, well, I should probably actually learn how to do this for real. So yeah. And then I started working for TVC not that long. Actually, while I was still in audio school, I started learning how to do that. That's where it was. Cool. So I would love if we could shift back to Musee for a moment and ask about what's coming up for the group. What's next? Yeah. So we, like I mentioned before, we just got our new member. Her name is Lily. She's incredible. And we're so excited for everybody to hear her. But at the same time, I have so much previous recorded material for Musee, like all the way dating back to like 2015 that wow. I that's just been edited waiting for me you know because as a full-time engineer your passion projects sometimes get pushed to the side as much as I don't oh, man. I don't love that <laughs> but it's like a true thing and it's like well if this other client is paying me and my own band is just you know artistic expression which I love obviously but it's kind of you kind of weigh the balance of like do I eat today or do I like do my creative fun stuff <laughs> so I've got so much material I've got like a whole album's worth of material from 2015. And then we're going to be releasing those. We just launched a Patreon and um, we're going to be interspersing those with new content. So we've got like three new arrangements coming over the next like two to three weeks. And we're going to start with one that we already have actually. And we're, I'm going to make the session for that this week. We just talked about our call last night. So I'm super pumped. Yeah. So we're going to release an older track that would be like exclusively on Patreon. So we can get people, you know, to have that exclusive content and then we'll release new music on Patreon and also on Spotify and things like that. And some of the old stuff might end up on streaming websites as well. But yeah, so we're kind of just going to go full force with the content because we've got the ability because both Mel and I are engineers and you know Joe has been she's got her own gear and Jesse is an independent artist and you know I was on the phone last night with Lily like telling her what she needs to go grab for interface wise microphones she's gonna <laughs> learn and we just that's the best way for us to put content out is just to have it be recorded because we can all just do it from the comfort of our own homes and then just get together, make videos when we can. Hence why we're launching the Patreon so we can actually do more videos, but that requires all of us to be in the same city. So right. is there any like, I don't know, vision to do that to be in the same city at some point? Or is that like a pipe dream? <laughs> you know, I know there were talks about that in the past, but I don't I don't think it will ever happen. I think because we all have a lot of things that we do in our specific cities. I'm not sure that will ever happen. I mean, it might be possible that a couple of us will end up like in little pods here and there. Like both Jesse and I are in Boston right now and Mel and Joe are both like about two hours from each other in in Texas. So we've got a little bit of pods of people, but I don't think that it will end up all being in the same city unless like some something crazy happened and like we ended up having to do this because we were going to go on tour for like six months or something like that. But we mostly function where we gig like, you know, once, twice a month. So we just kind of get together on weekends, have retreats, learn new music. Most of our music we learn on our own and luckily we're quick as humans. So (laughs) we can do that and pull it off. But I wish... 
That would be really nice to have like a little like musée house. <laughs> In my brain, it's like on the Cape and like, you know, this little beach house. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah. <laughs> Do you need any lackeys to come follow you around and fan you? Oh my gosh, that would be so fun. <laughs> It's like, because I have a resume. Yeah. We, you know, we were just talking, actually, we're trying to get kind of like a squad going for our next couple of gigs, you know, photos, video, marketing. We've decided that we're really never going to do a show again without our sound person there. We've done like that for so long where we just kind of trusted whoever was there. And some people are amazing to work with. And then sometimes you work with somebody at a school who has no experience whatsoever in, in engineering, really, let alone acapella. So we've got Caleb, who is my former roommate and Joe's former bandmate, and he have been like a lifesaver for us. So we just like take him wherever we go. He's <laughs> basically our sixth member now. Yeah, That's it's awesome. so important, especially since you all are doing things with effects. And I've been in places where they're like, oh, five microphones. It's going to be super easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, but I need these, you know, two line outs for Mel's gear and then I also need to route it for the in-ears and this needs to go out through the mains and that needs to go only to the in-ears and they're like what? I don't know how to do that (laughs) and it's like okay Mm -hmm. and I've I've, you have no idea how many times that I have been like can you move over and let me work I'll EQ this for you because (laughs) I don't know if you know what you're doing (laughs) Oh, but the ego bruising. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, we ha- I mean, I've had that before. I don't, like I said, I just don't care. Like, it yeah. is ego bruising to people, but I'm like, eh. In the end, it's my content, my my band, my project. So I want it to be as good as it possibly can be. But now we've made it so that it will be because we've got somebody who's a professional there with us, you know, basically all the time. Absolutely. So I wonder if you can... Talk about visions for yourself, for Musée. What, what are you looking to sort of do and accomplish in the next six months, a year? Yeah, that's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I have kind of been on like a similar path for a little while. And, you know, I don't think stagnant is the right word, but I didn't have a ton of new goals at the time. So this new like rush for Musée content is like a really awesome new goal for me. And that I love. So that's going to be something I'm going to be focusing on in the next six months. But also, I want to branch out into um, non-acapella music. Actually, Jessie from my band, since she's in Boston, um, we have a music date tomorrow night. She's going to come over to my house and we're going to listen to all of her original music that she's recorded and see if we need to record more vocals or, you know, she's going to bring her guitar, like kind of assess that. So I'm kind of looking into expanding into, you know, vocal and instrumental music. So that's what my next goal is. Like, I would love to, I mean, I love vocals and I love um, acapella, but I love all music. So I want to branch out into that and see what that means. Um, you know, even if that stuff is just like kind of on the side, little passion projects here and there, I want to get that going because it's really, I mean, mixing instrumentals, it's different obviously because you've got different fundamental frequencies and actually it's really hard to mix acapella and make it sound like pop music because realistically everything's taking up the same frequency range and you have to kind of manipulate it in order to make it separate itself. Whereas, you know, the actual instruments have different fundamental frequencies and they kind of fit into the spaces differently, but you kind of end up with different issues and different things that you have to work on. So I'm excited to take what I learned this summer at the Mix with the Masters and apply that to a new branch for me. I don't know, maybe I'll do some sort of weird instrumental, then breaks down and talk a then goes, I have no idea. <laughs> 
Ooh, that sounds cool. Something new. What advice would you have for other women? I know you've worked with a lot as interns, but a lot of women are just afraid to even ask about it. And I know I see that on the live side, especially because they're like, well, I mean, it's heavy equipment and how would I ever do that? But to the women out there that are like, maybe I, you know, I love this, but they're even too afraid to start. What kind of uh, advice would you have? Start with yourself. If you're, you know, nervous about going out there and working in the field, start building your own portfolio of things that you like. Multi-track yourself. Uh, Reach out to other females in the field. That's probably, if you're scared, like that's probably the best thing that I could think of is, you know, we're all out there wanting more of us in the field. So reach out to other ladies, see how they started, what what they need, kind of like I did back in the day, but then it was, you know, just like really helpful, nice guys. And now you've got some women who just want to help start this field. And that's one of my goals is to kind of figure out a way to curate more female talent um, and, and kind of be a mentor more specifically and more formally than just people just randomly messaging me on Facebook and things like that. So something that's my new goal. I actually wrote it down in my journal the other day, like find a way to like incorporate more women into audio. <laughs> so awesome. that's, that's on my docket. Um, I haven't hundred percent figured that out, you know, exactly how that's going to happen. Maybe I'll hold conferences or educational seminars or something like that and make it really focused towards something that women would gravitate towards. We did those next level seminars with, you know, Shannon was in charge of those. And we saw more women the last two to three years than ever before, which was incredible. But it's even hard to get people to want to even apply. So getting out there talking to people um, is my way. But if that's probably what I would suggest to other people, like find somebody like me and find me at a festival and say like, hey, I want to talk to you. If people do want to do that, what is the best way to get in touch with you? You can Facebook me. I'm on Facebook. You can email me at Angelini34 at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. Oh, I don't care. Whatever it is. <laughs> you can just message me. A lot of people do it through Facebook and just ask me like quick questions on like how just advice about how to get started on stuff. And I'm always down to answer. It's so nice. to. I mean, I think people actually need to hear that because people get so they're like, oh, you've accomplished so much. Yes. There's no way I could, you know, there's no way she'll answer any of my questions. So mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to hear that. And if I don't answer right away, it might just be because I was like, you know, in the middle of working or something. <laughs> and like, I won't think it's annoying if you keep asking me, you know, hey, hey, I remember um, six, seven years ago, um, Peter Yang, who's one of my best friends, and he's also an incredible audio engineer, used to be like, hey, hello, how are you? How- can I, can I talk to you? I want to talk to you about my, my solo song. I want to talk to you about this. And like, you know, people, people with that sort of like lovely spirit, just like, it's fine. I don't, I don't <laughs> care. Just ask me questions. I'll let you come shadow me too. Like, I don't care if you're nearby. You want to come over and watch me mix? Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, Angela, it's just been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with and speak with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And what Muse comes up with this year and in the future. So yeah. keep that stuff coming. Of course. Yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we were just speaking with Angela Ugolini. So welcome back, Rachel. It's so nice to have someone else to talk to during this segment <laughs> rather than our <laughs> listeners just hearing me ramble on. But you did recently go to Japan, which 
is very special to me, as I'm sure listeners have caught on to. And I was excited to hear that you were going to actually get to meet with some acapella groups there because something I've talked about before, and Cassie actually referenced it last week in our episode with her, is what's special about being an acapella and but also then getting to work with somebody from another culture. So there's the cultural difference, but then there's this shared love of the same art form. So I wanted to give you a chance to tell the listeners a little bit about what your experience was like. Yeah, sure. So when we sort of formalized our plans to go to Japan, I mean, the first thing I thought of was like, who can I reach out to? Who can I try and speak with about uh, like, see if there are any groups out in, I mean, I know that Vocal Asia is a big thing. And so I wanted to see if there were groups in the areas that we were going to be in to see if I could sit down and speak with them for Akaville, but also just to have an opportunity to just to on my own hear what some of the music is that they're doing. And I was so lucky to be connected with Kai Kachimura, I think is how you pronounce his last yep. name. That's that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would pronounce it Kai Kachimura, which makes everyone be like, oh, we'll just pronounce it the English way, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My, my Japanese that's is not okay. awesome. I can say um, uh, sumimasen. <laughs> Which Perfect. Is- <laughs> That's the most important thing. You can use it for everything. <laughs> Excellent. I actually was put in touch with him. He has his own Facebook group that he runs that sort of covers what he's doing in the acapella scene in Japan. And he's also in Idea of North, which is based out of Australia. And so he has, he personally has a lot of international experience singing for both the Japanese audience and Australian audience and other audiences. So but yeah, I was lucky to be put in touch with him. And he said like just randomly that another group that he's in, Hamo was having a concert on Christmas Day, Christmas Day Eve, so the 25th. And I was going to be not far from the venue. So I coordinated with him to attend and to sit down with the group and speak with them. And it was so lovely. They were, I mean, one of the things that I really just enjoyed so much was, as you mentioned, this connection between people who do acapella, right? People who sing acapella and the music really is a a major focal point and connecting point despite the language barrier. So while he and some of his other band members spoke English, it was clearly the audience is not all English speakers. And it was like just very clear when they were doing songs that weren't in English. Like I still got the message. I still was able to understand what they were trying to say and how they were trying to say it. And I loved that. That was fantastic. And then when they did do songs in English, it was just this like this little like wink and a nudge. I I felt like, you know, this opportunity to like not just connect with the music, but also to hear the the words that I could understand in addition to that. And then I was a little bit jealous they were doing something that was clearly meant to be ironic and funny. And I wasn't able in Japanese and I wasn't able to get it. I was like, oh, I really like that. I could tell they were being funny. Yeah. I felt that in Germany last summer too. Mm-hmm. There was I mean, several of the groups were clearly making jokes and everyone was laughing and I got the sense that it was funny and like the way that they were performing it was funny, but I'm like, darn it, I wish I understood the words. <laughs> German is not my thing. No. <laughs> but, no, and I feel that. And I talked about this when I was on Tacapella with John and Brian. If you haven't heard of that podcast, go check it out. But when I lived in Japan, I ran a community acapella group. And while I spoke Japanese, and some of the women spoke English, we ended up having people that were not even from Japan join the group. And we all spoke different languages. And yet it's one of my favorite experiences ever because we all just love to sing and everyone came 
came from different backgrounds and everyone was a different point in their lives. But the singing is what brought us together, even if we couldn't have a conversation. So I'd encourage people to go out and find people that are not like you to sing with. And if you ever have the I mean, I know it's it's rare and few and far between and expensive. But if you have the opportunity to sing with a group from another country, even if it's Canada, I mean, I know here in the United States, we think Canada is just like here. But you know, I can tell you that they have cultural differences too. And we all have a lot to learn from each other. And it's it really is a special feeling when you get to sing with someone that shares a common interest, but comes from a very different background. Yeah, I think when you hit that melodic harmony, when you when you when you lock in that chord, it doesn't matter what words you're singing. You are literally and figuratively in tune. Awesome. Well, we will be back next week with Katie McDonald from GQ, which is very exciting. And she just recently started a position with BHS as well. So we have lots to talk to her about. So exciting. Well, I will speak to you soon then, Amanda. And that wraps up episode 25 of Vocal Perspective. Thank you so much for supporting our little podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our conversations and we really enjoyed talking to Angela this week. So we hope you got a lot out of that conversation. If there's someone you want us to talk to or if there's an issue you'd like us to discuss or you'd like to discuss with us, please reach out to us at onair at acaville.org or you can reach out to Rachel at R-A-C-H-A-E-L at acaville.org or me at amanda at acaville.org. That's all we've got for this week. We'll see you next Tuesday.